This morning we're going back to the book of Matthew chapter 1. I called it last week the Begat book. But it's actually, there's several things. The book of Matthew is a tremendous book. Uh, uh, studying the book of Matthew, I've, for the last couple of weeks, I've been in the book of Matthew. And uh, I've seen and uh, things revealed and brought to me my attention that I've never seen before out of the book of Matthew. So I do appreciate and praise God for the word of the living Lord today. So I pray that God will help us as we uh, today open the precious book. Chapter 1 of the book of Matthew. This we find is the genealogy of the book uh, of Matthew that is portrayed. And I told you last week that two books out of the Bible has an ancestry or a genealogy. Now, I want to say this up front. The Lord inspired this. It's hard to read. It's hard to accomplish anything from it. It's hard to understand it to the fullest. And it's kind of boring to the human mind. But you have to have a spiritual mind. Matter of fact, you have to have a spiritual mind to understand any of the Bible. It wasn't wrote in the flesh. It wasn't wrote uh, by human beings. It's wrote by the Spirit of the living God. The Bible said that holy men of old uh, were moved on it. And says moved by the Spirit of God, they wrote the Word. That's why it's divinely inspired this morning. And I believe that with all my heart. So when I look at the book of Matthew, it's such a blessing to understand what God has got. Now God has put this in here to give us his genealogy so that we be boastful or that he could be boastful. He's done that for our admonition. He wants us to know who we're believing in. You see, this is the genealogy of our Savior. This is the genealogy of the man who died for us on the cross of Calvary. This is the genealogy of the king that's going to be. This is the genealogy of uh, though that he had the authority to raise the dead, open the blind eyes, the deaf ears, and uh, the speechless tongue. Amen. He could do that because he had that power and that authority. So therefore, he has given us a genealogy to let us know that he's divine. This, that's why he's here in the book of Matthew. And if you don't understand that, you won't comprehend it. And all these names are important. Now why did he put all them in there? Because he's already recorded that from the book of Genesis. All the way through the Bible. And he's telling you, look, what you've been reading throughout your Bible is right here in your eyes for you in the New Testament. You remember... Uh, the New Testament, Matthew, is a new covenant. It's a new promise. It's entirely different. There had been, what, 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. And all of a sudden, they'd heard nothing from the Lord. I mean, God hadn't been speaking none. They hadn't seen him, hadn't heard him, didn't know anything about it. You see what he's doing? So now when the silence has got through... And God now is fixing to step further into the prophetic part of the word of God from Genesis to Malachi. He's going to bring you up to date. So we don't go in here and give you a bunch of names here 
And if you had to put all that in there, people would say, well, I don't put any stock in it. You've still got people today in America and around the world that does not recognize Jesus Christ as the very God. The religions do that. They, some tell you deny the fact that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And if you deny that and don't accept that, don't tell me you're a Christian because you cannot get saved without recognizing that Christ and God are the same. That has to be. And uh, so you look at all that. You may not understand all that. You just better believe it. Because he said in John 14, 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. You have to have both of them. And uh, so you come, salvation is through Jesus Christ. Amen. And God is the author of salvation. So when you look at this, you've got to look at it. And I remember years ago, I skipped it. I jumped over it. Some of you have done that for years. Maybe you still do. But one day, I looked at it and I said, hey, this is important. If God put it in there, he wants me to get something from it. Now, do you believe that? If God puts in his word, he wants us to understand it. So I began to look at it a little closer, and it done some mighty things to my life. And I thank God for it constantly, every day of my life. And so if you look at these, of course you say, well, I looked at Matthew and it's got different names in the Old Testament. Like Boaz, B-O-A-Z in uh, the book of Ruth. And it's B-O-O-Z in uh, uh, Matthew here. Well, you've got to remember, and let me tell you this again. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek and, and Aramaic in some places. And so the spellings are different. It's the same people. It's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, the different languages. And you can look at that and see that God's putting these together and he's correlating the two together so that you'll know he's speaking of the same one. Now, I want you to look at these. If, you, if you'll see it, uh, we see that... Uh, this, these names, they, they're meaningful, and we need to look at them. Now, let me just kind of give you an idea of the book of Matthew. I started on this last week, didn't finish it, but I'll just give you the book of Matthew as a whole. Now, Matthew portrays Jesus Christ as king. He's, Matthew gives us the king, uh, the, the gospel of the, of the uh, kingdom of heaven. That's mentioned. As a matter of fact, that's the only book in the Bible that the kingdom of heaven's mentioned. And I didn't get into that last week, and I've got into it some other times here. But there's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to get into that today either. Uh, because, uh, maybe another time, but not this morning. And if you get those two mixed up and messed up, you're going to get in trouble. The kingdom of heaven is basically to the Jews. And then the kingdom of God is to uh, Gentiles and Jews and is, is works with the church. And we'll get into that. And I pray that God might help us with it. And I understand those things. And I pray that God will help us with it. So he's writing to the king of the Jews or in, in, in their favor. He's writing as Christ is the Messiah, just like other books do. Christ is the Messiah. The Jew don't believe that today. But he is the Messiah that's prophesied from Genesis uh, to Malachi. And then we find that the appearance of the Messiah is found 
in chapter 1, verse number 25, I believe it is. Let me see what verse. Verse 18 talks about the birth of Christ. It was on this wise, or birth of Jesus Christ. It was on Jesus. You know what Jesus means? Savior, the one who saves. Christ means anointed. He's the anointed one. So you've got to remember that. Uh, uh, Jesus is his earthly name. That was, they named him Jesus. That's what they said to Joseph. You remember that? Now, I'm not covering some things particularly in this first chapter, but all this first chapter tells all this with that genealogy. Christ means he's the anointed of God. Amen. He's the Christos, the, the anointed one. That's how he is able to, that's the God part. Amen. And the earthly part is Jesus. That's his earthly name. Amen. So many times I call him Christ. Sometimes I call him Jesus. And sometimes I call him Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord just means he's master. He is the one that owns you. Uh, you're to follow his leadership. Amen. He can be your savior and you still, and you'll go to heaven. But he, he's not the fullness in your life until he becomes your Lord. Lord means you're following his word. You obey in everything he does. You can be saved and not follow him. And you'll live a rough life and you'll pay the price when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have nothing to give him. And that's where most saints, if they are saints, is going to be. Nobody particularly in our day wants to do all they can for the glory of God. I'm talking about on the multitudes. You hear me? There's a lot of people follow God, but they're following God on their own terms, following him in their own way, doing what they think is right, and they're disobeying God because they're not doing what he says right. God gives you a plain word in the Bible to do certain things or not do certain things. And if you follow those things, you're blessed. If you're not, God's not going to send you to hell right then. But I'll tell you what, other things will happen. Your life will not be fulfilled in the way of God. You will have a happy life. We'll talk about that a little bit more later in the, in the message this morning. But I'm looking at this and I'm serious. Brother, this is serious business this morning. Trying to follow God. And people don't take it serious. If they took it serious, you'd never miss a church service unless you're just about half dead. I'm serious. You wouldn't be going somewhere else on Sunday. You'd go to the house of God. You'd be doing more praying than you're doing now. You'd be do doing more witnessing than you do now. You'd live cleaner lives than you do now. You better hear the old preacher. I I'm going to pass off the scene one of these days. And everything else is going to take place and according to God's perfect will. But I'll tell you, one of these days, what I'm preaching this morning is going to be faced again at the judgment. Every sermon, every message that a man of God preaches, amen, you're going to face that message again. And if you followed it, amen, more power to you. You can be rewarded off of it. But if you ignore it, talk about it, get upset with it, amen. You're going to pay that price either here or there. And there's nothing I can do about it. All right. We'll find in the first chapter, 1 and 2, by the way, that we find the appearance of the Messiah. 
He's long overdue, I guess, to a people, but he is right on time, according to God. At the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4, he was born of a woman. Amen. Some might have thought he was late. Some might have thought he was early. But according to God's time clock, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is right on time. We wish he'd do certain things. We wish he'd already done some things. But don't question God. Just keep faith and believe what he said in the book is going to come to pass. Every single bit of it. There will not be one thing in this book that will not be fulfilled in the end. It'll be exactly like God said it. Might not be like you thought it was going to be, but it'll be exactly what God said. And we don't we see through an eye, or we see see through a glass darkly this morning. But one of these days we'll see it as it is. So the first and second chapter deals with his appearance. The third chapter deals with his baptism. Isn't that amazing? Had a fellow not too long ago said, Well, baptism's important because Jesus was baptized. So nobody's going to go to heaven without being baptized. And I said, what about the thief on the cross? He said, well, that's a different dispensation. Oh, God had a different manner for the Old Testament than he did the New. It's all by grace through faith from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. God don't have but one salvation in one person, Christ Jesus. The Old Testament was called the Messiah. That's what I'm calling him here this morning. That's what he is. The one who's they're looking for. Uh, they're still praying for the Messiah, by the way. He hadn't got here for them, amen, they think. But to what it is, they're in blindness to a part, and they can't see him. But he's, he's coming, amen. The Messiah is on the scene. He's receded at the right hand of the Father this morning. They reject him the first time, but they will receive him the next time. Now, the fourth chapter deals with the temptation of of the Messiah. I like what he done. He performed that well. Amen. The fourth chapter of Matthew lets you know that he's superior over the devil. Amen. I like telling that when I'm talking to people and they, uh, you know, they begin to talk about uh, going to hell. I said, you know, God has already uh, told us he has a victory over it. I read in the last part of the Bible that he's got, uh, that he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I can take you a little further in the Bible. And he said he he now holds the keys uh, to death, hell, and the grave. <laughs> I want to run with somebody got the keys to the property, don't you? Amen. That's the first chapter of Revelation, by the way. And then we find in uh, the fifth chapter through the 15th chapter, and that's a com- tremendous amount of information. And it'll take you... Uh, some of you take you a few days to read it. Some of you just an uh, uh, hour or two. But the, we find that chapter 5 through 15 is uh, the ministry of the Messiah. Can I just point this out and stop right here on something I just said? And I said some of you could take days to read those chapters 5 through 15 and some for hours. The problem is... Today, God's people are too interested in how many times they read the Bible. The devil has deviated everybody's ideas. You know, as a preacher, uh, I've been there. 
And a few times somebody said, uh, well, I ain't never read the Bible. And I say, well, I've read it. And you know, so many times. And then the Holy Ghost punches me under the e, under the ribs pretty heavy. Well, I'm not reading it. And the Lord tries to say, you're not reading it. See how many times you read it. You read it to learn it. Sometimes you have to read, that, read one chapter 15, 20 times before you get too many things out of it. Preacher, I just read. Well, the key is we're either not following light in the Word of God. You can't just pick up the Bible and read it like you can. Uh, uh, I was thinking about a little book I tried to read a bunch of times and never did. This old secular book. Uh, what is that? Uh, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> now, as a kid, every time I, at Christmas time, somebody gave me a book on Tom Sawyer. And I've, I've read the first two or three chapters of Tom Sawyer. I ain't never read it all the way through. I wasn't interested in it. You understand what I'm saying? And some of y'all have started to read the Bible hundreds of times, and you've never read it. And you said, oh, I have. No, we're not here trying to see who's read it the most. Amen. Uh, I'm just trying to say, did you learn anything? You heard me say over and over, I read, I read the book of Matthew when God called me to preach. And when I got through, I didn't know much about it. Matter of fact, I was more confused when I got through reading the Bible than I was before I started. Because I thought God was going to turn the light on verse 1 and then brighten it up on verse 2, brighten it up on verse 3, and brighten it up on verse 4. And then I got to look at these baguettes and the light went out. You understand? I'm human just like you are. But our problem is we are not retaining what God has given us. It's a spiritual book that has to be spiritually uh, understood or spiritually discerned. If you'll learn that and quit trying to uh, learn how many books you've read and how many... Of the, look, I don't even... You know what? I could not even pick up a secular book of any kind today. Matter of fact... I despise to pick up commentaries that I used to put all of my trust in. When I first got uh, called to preach, I didn't have any biblical literature, didn't have no Bible college, had nothing. And I didn't know nothing. Didn't, didn't know anything hardly at all. And so I would buy commentaries and preachers would tell me, this commentary will be the best thing you've ever had and bought. And I bought them and I listened to them, read them and tried to get everything I could out of them. But when it's all said and done, uh, I learned a little here and a little there. And one day God showed me that those commentaries are not the Bible. They're writings about the Bible. And they weren't wrote by God. They were wrote by men. And all men have to learn. And all men don't know everything. Even the scholars, so-called. I don't even know what a scholar would look like. When I was younger, I used to think this and that was a scholar. But I found out the scholar I have is the call of the Holy Ghost. And brother, I'll tell you what he, he can do. He'll tap you on the shoulder of your heart. Amen. The center of your heart. And he don't do too much for your body. Come on now. But he does something for your soul. Amen. Praise God. Pretty good preaching. 
I'm just running off, off the spirit. Amen. I don't even have no notes before me. I'm just looking. This is what the Bible teaches us. So we find this morning that God's got us the book we need. What else do I need this morning? I'd like to have his presence, but he's going to call me there one day. Come and get me. Amen. I'm going to have a house inspection pretty soon. What's that? The home I'm going to. He's going to come and get me. Have you ever seen people build new houses and then they say, come over, let me show you my new house. They're excited about it. Amen. Well, I'm, I've got one more house that I want to go look at. It's going to be where I'm going to stay and abide. Somebody said, what do you think it's going to be? Everybody going to have a mansion in my father's house or many mansions? If it were not, so I would have told you. I hear some say, well, I'd just be happy with a cabin in glory land. Quit worrying about it. Did you know anything that heaven's got is better than anything in this world? Amen. It is. And uh, I've never lived in fancy things. And I wouldn't even know how. I, I, I wouldn't be comfortable in fancy houses. I remember a young lady in our church. I was pastoring. She got married and she married some guy that had lots of money. And they built a, a fancy house. And uh, we went over there. She wanted us to come and see it. And I went over with her mom and daddy, me and Audrey, and we went over and seen it. And uh, we walked upstairs and downstairs. And i never seen such a house. And uh, I've seen pictures I didn't even know about. Stuff that they, And they said, this used to belong to so-and-so and this. And I didn't know anything about that stuff. They were so tickled about it. And uh, I was proud for them. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was all right. But I said to myself, I'll never own nothing like this. Matter of fact, I said to myself, I don't think I'd even want to live something like this. Amen. I'd have to walk around all the time, no shoes on, and wash my feet from one room to another. And I wouldn't want that. I couldn't live in a place like this. But the Lord said, but the first thing I think about, you think about the... Uh, you, you're looking at where you might live, a mansion. Well, amen. The Lord didn't say we'd live in a mansion. He didn't say we wouldn't either. Now, by the way, he just said in my father's house are many mansions. I believe the first mansion I'll get, if I'm in the graveyard and he wakes me up and puts me on a new body, that's the best mansion I'll ever have. Amen. amen. You hear me? And uh, I walk into glory. If I'm alive and get called out and get changed before I get there, Hallelujah. That will be the best mansion I've ever had. And then I'm going to get into the glory of God where he is and just see all the stuff I've got that God's going to give us. Amen. I'm working for a reward. I don't know about you. I'm not working to get saved, stay saved. I'm working so I can crown him king of kings and lord of lords. I'm reading about him this morning. I'm excited about it. Praise God. I'm not running through a dull world trying to figure out what's coming next. Amen. It'll be all right. Amen. It may be rough times, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord has already got things in, in the works. Now, let's go on. I won't even get this done. We'll find his ministry was in chapter 5 through 15. His public claim of being the Messiah is found in chapter 16 through chapter number 23. He talks about him being the Messiah. He told you, uh, he, I've always, I and my father are one, different things like that. 
And he's coming to die on the cross of Calvary uh, to pay the sin debt. He tells that all through the book of Matthew and other books too as well. And then you see it. He's claiming to be a Messiah. Now, he claims that based on what he's done give us. He's done give us the priorities and he's already given us the lineage. He's already told us that he is. And he's basing on what he's already told. There they are. And we find it. Then in chapter 24 through 27, we find the sacrifice of the Messiah or the king that he's going to sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary. He's going to be the supreme sacrifice for every lamb, goat, uh, uh, ox, or whatever down through the ages past. And he's going, to, he's going to redeem them through his blood. He's going to be the sacrifice. That's what a sacrifice is. It's, it's giving yourself. So he's giving his body, giving himself, shedding his blood, dying, and going to the cross of Calvary. That's in verses uh, chapters 24 through 27. And then you find in chapter 28 is the resurrection chapter of this book. And he's showing you the triumph or the victory or the celebration of his ministry, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he lets us know that this whole book of Matthew is about a living Christ, a living Savior, a man, a God that's come down to dwell on the earth and die for you and me. Now that ought to make you just enough right there to go back and if you'll break that down when you're reading these chapters and start putting everything to these times. See, you've got to do that. Well, most folks, and I, I resent this. You hear me say something all the time about you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. And when I say read the Bible, I'm not talking about just reading it. Hey, I read uh, 14,000 verses. I mean, I read 20 verses, 1,000 words, and uh, 20,000 letters. Whoopee! What'd that do for you? How close that gets you to God? It does a lot of this. Patting yourself on the back. And we love that. Do we not? If you don't, talk to me after service. I believe I'd open your eyes a little bit to that. Amen. I like to have the best of everything. I don't always get the best of everything. I like to be in the limelight as much as I can. And God sees I don't get there sometimes. Understand what I'm saying? It's not about you and me this morning. It's about the Lord Christ. Amen. And that's why we're looking at this chapter 1 of all the begets. Now, if I get into this book in chapter 1 and stay there like we ought to stay there, you're going to get so tired of the begets. Because everyone behind those begets had a, something to do with the life of Christ. Do you see that? So it's important. I mean... Just look at this. Just, just with me, look at this. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now that, that verse alone right there can blow your mind. How can Jesus Christ be the son of David? How can Jesus Christ be the son of Abraham? You said, well, I don't know. I guess you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was. You see, can you explain that? Well, can you put a little bit of biblical knowledge to it? Yeah, you can. But we'll look at that. But this will give you something. Out of the, I want to just sum this thing over 
and just a few things, and I pray that God might help us. And then we'll come back and bear down. I'm not getting into verse-by-verse study at the present. This is an overall. we got a lot of stuff to understand. I believe I've done uh, declared some things this morning that uh, you see it makes it a little more plain. Now we'll forget it and we'll have to go back over it again. Uh, or at least my mind will. I've never comprehended the Bible. Have you? It ain't never comprehended me either. <laughs> he may still speaking to me. I don't know everything about the Bible. I know very little about the Bible. You know very little about the Bible. Because if we know all the Bible, brother, our lives would be different than what they are. Mine, yours, everybody. The church would have a different song. The church would have a different outreach. The church would have a different uh, victory in its life. Churches wouldn't be cold and dead. And uh, churches wouldn't be empty and vain. Churches would be filled. If the glory of God was ringing out in our hearts in the church, it'd be ringing out yonder in the world. You see what I'm saying? So we don't know it all. We don't even let it apply. We don't let it get a hold of us. Matter of fact, most of us are trying to figure out how we get out from under most of it. Because it changes our lifestyle. Oh no, preacher. Oh yeah. It may not have changed yours yet, but God give it to you to change you. Somebody said, He saved me. Amen. Thank God He did. He saved me too. But that ain't all God wants out of you. He wants you to go out and glorify Him and magnify Him and lift Him up and exalt Him and tell everybody else that you come. You know what the job of the church is today? You've been hearing me say it quite often lately. Winning souls. God wants you to put all your emphasis after you've been saved on His Word and He wants you to witness to others to win them so they can be where you are. But when they die, they can go to heaven just like you're going. Is that... Is that simple enough? Uh, that's exactly where it's at this morning. And I do appreciate it and praise God for it. So now let's look at this. In chapter 1 of this, we find some things, and I believe I'll look at it. You find that there was a... a let's just see if I can find where I want to go to. They're hard to find. In verse 3, And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar. That in the Old Testament is Tamar. And you look at Tamar, she was a, a, a Canaanite, which was a Gentile. So you can see that uh, Matthew is drawing the Gentile and the Jew together. You see? And Tamar, so she was a, a Canaanite. She was a daughter-in-law to Judah. She was a Gentile. So God has that. You look at it. And she was an incestuous. In other words, she laid with Judah. And uh, she was in that and had children by him. I'm not going to get into the details of these things, but I'm telling you that she was. And then secondly, let's go down and see if I can find another. And they was in verse 5, And Salmon begat Boaz, as Boaz here, of Rahab. And uh, that's, uh, you know, you, that's uh, Rahab, the harlot. You remember her? She's a Gentile. She's the one who let the scarlet thread down the window when they came uh, down to Jericho. So you find that she was a Gentile line. And then there was in uh, this, let's see, uh, the same verse, and Simon begat Boaz 
of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Ruth, she was a Moabitess. She was a Gentile. She, uh, you know, have the story, she, she married Boaz. And uh, so we find that she, she was in the family. She's another Gentile. Uh, she, she, she was there. Then we find that there's another one. Let's see if I can find where it's at. I'm just, I wasn't planning on giving you these this morning, so I'm having to look for them. And it said, And Jesse begat David, in verse 6, the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And we know who that is. That's Bathsheba. She was of that line of the Gentiles as well. So there is four women, all Gentiles, in the line of the ancestry of Jesus Christ. There's one more Mary, I mean one more woman called Mary, which is verse 16. She said, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, for whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now she was a Jew. So you see his lineage uh, now is coming back down, and it comes, you can see it's coming from a Mary who was a Jew. There had to be a Jew somewhere. Amen. And the other one we'll find comes back, goes all the way back to God. Uh, so here we find it comes, this is the human ancestry of Christ in Matthew 1. We get to Luke, and we'll have to look at it later, but we get to Luke, we find out that that goes back to the lineage of God. It goes back to Adam. See? So that's the, the God part of his lineage. God wants us to get it right. And if you don't get it right, you're going to get it wrong. Amen, you know that. And if you get it wrong, you're not going to have the right view of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor of his salvation. That's why it's important to look at these things and see them like they are. So we see that. Now, uh, we'll, I'll stop and we'll have prayer. And next week I'll tell you some things like he, this, humans, this was a human ancestry. It was a Jewish ancestry. It was a Gentile ancestry of Christ. It was, see, why could he, how could he draw the Jew and the Gentile together for the church if he didn't have some ancestry back to them? You see what I'm saying? And there's a lot of reasons for all these things. And we need to dig that. We need to search that. We need to analyze that. We need to sift it out and apply it to our life. And we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of God, for the mercy of Calvary. Thank you for the blood that you've applied uh, to our heart and give us, forgive us of our sin and throw out the devil, moved into our heart. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God, the goodness of God, the Word of God, and all that you do for us. May your name be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God.